Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. On behalf of Pastors David and Nicole Binion, thank you for joining us today at the Dwell Church Podcast. For more information about Dwell Church, visit us at dwell.church. Now, let's listen to today's message. Jesus, we behold you. We make eye contact with you this morning. We thank you, Lord. You are our greatest prayer this morning. It's your face. You are what we ache for. You are what we long for. You are what we desire. So, Lord, come. As we minister to you, come minister to our hearts this morning. We love you in Jesus' name. Uh, Today is family worship Sunday. Pastor David asked for me to just do a mini teaching, mini sermon on the death and resurrection of Jesus. So I, uh, I wanna talk to you this morning about keeping the blood warm. <laughs> keeping the blood warm. It's so easy for our hearts to get cold towards the blood of Jesus. And I feel like the Lord is uh, really all over the body of Christ, taking us back to these foundational, simple things that brought us to where we are today. <laughs> Simplicity. You know, it's, it's, it's part of our human nature. The more we do something, whether it's anything, it becomes routine and it just becomes numb. Our hearts just become so numb. And what's really truly grieves me is around the world, this Right here, this precious thing has been reduced to merely a routine that we do once a month whenever we are holding the most powerful substance in the universe. There are no such thing as symbolic acts in our Christian faith. Symbolism has no power in it. It's just form without substance. But this right here is what I call a prophetic act. It's a prophetic proclamation that we make in the spirit realm that shouts on the loudspeaker of hell that the body is enough, the blood is enough, the body is enough, that Jesus won, hell is rendered completely powerless. (laughs) Scripture says that The devil has been defeated. He's been dethroned and defeated. means he has no feet. (laughs) He has no power. Zero power. Zero authority. No authority. And this merely reminds hell of what Jesus did. So I want to talk to you about uh, keeping the blood warm. (laughs) Keeping the blood warm. And before I do that, I I just want to share just a really a prophetic uh, our compass of north, of where I feel like the Lord is pointing us. You know, I talk with a pastor friend of mine. He leads a revival center like Dwell, really just contending for revival. It's presence-driven. And his mentor talked to him recently, just a mighty giant in the faith. And he said, I, I have this sense in the air right now. You know how you can just feel something in the spirit, something in the air. I have this sense that The Lord is in heaven and he has the arrow of his glory pulled back and pointed to the earth, pointed to specific places on the earth. And anytime you pull an arrow back, there's all this tension, all this potential, all this momentum is building up. How many of you have felt tension this past year? All this tension has been building up. And he said, the question is not 
The question is not if God will hit his target or not. The question is, will the church put themselves in a position to be hit by that target of glory? Will we put ourselves in position to say, here we are, hit dwell church with your glory, hit us, Lord. Will we position ourselves? So I wanna talk about positioning ourselves for glory and how that relates to the body and blood of Jesus. Cause I'm convinced the greatest way for a people to be positioned for a move of God is to return to the first love, to become sober to the death and resurrection of Jesus for our hearts not to be cold towards this meal. Paul said, I I pray that you would not be swayed or distracted from your pure and sincere devotion to Jesus. If Paul warned it, then we should have our alarms going and say, oh, we need to to be careful. We need to be careful not not to get off. Just keep our eyes on Jesus, just like that song we were singing. And I, this is Tanner's opinion. It could be prophetic, but this is just my opinion. I I truly feel in the days to come, in the days to come, Sunday morning only church will not be able to sustain us. Once a week on Sunday morning, worship and word will not sustain what's to come. I'm not saying there's, you know, bad things are gonna happen. I'm, I'm not a doom and gloom preacher or anything. I, but I truly believe in times of darkness is when the church shines its brightest. It always thrives in times of persecution, in times of oppression. And I am just so excited for this building because we could soak every day in worship and prayer. Prayer, praying. You know, the moment Jesus himself becomes our greatest prayer is the moment we truly begin to pray. The moment his presence and his presence alone becomes our greatest prayer is the moment that prayer truly begins in our hearts. It's him. And I, I believe in this, in this hour to prepare for days to come. The Lord is, is changing the way of how the church interacts with his son. He's changing his son from, from Jesus the subject into Jesus the substance. <laughs> He's moving us from Jesus of just a subject, of just something we talk about, of someone we know about, into the substance of what we interact with every week. Interaction, eye contact, engagement, buying oil, buying gold from him in his presence. The subject of Jesus to the substance of Jesus. A subject, it's not tangible. You can't interact with it that much. It's not living and breathing, but a substance is tangible. You can interact, you can engage, you can be transformed by it. I was uh, telling the youth this Wednesday, I had this thought, it's not super profound, but you know, I was thinking, we, we, we talk about the, the presence of God. We say, the presence of God. And there's the manifest presence of God. There's different realms right here. God is always with us. His presence is always around us. However, 
right here, I'm in the presence of Emily, <laughs> my wife, Emily. Being in the room with Emily, I am in the presence of her. However, it is very possible for me to be in the presence of Emily without ever engaging with Emily or making eye contact with her. Right now, I'm looking at the ceiling, even though I'm in the presence of Emily right now. And so there's deeper realms of God's presence Although we may be in his manifest presence, there's a new invitation to lock eyes with him, to lock eyes with him, to gaze at him. And I'm speaking a lot in metaphors today. You're just going to have to ask Holy Spirit for help. But uh, to lock eyes with Jesus, to have that one-on-one face-to-face encounter. I believe in the days ahead, casual Christianity will not be able to sustain us. Scripture says the kingdom of God suffers violence and the violent take it by force. The day of casual Christianity, it was beautiful, it was nice, it was comfortable, but I feel him personally leading me to, there's more, there's more, dig in, spend more time, spend more time with me, there's more, there's more, there's more. We have to have the more. And that's what this church is founded on. It was founded on the more. It's founded on the more of God. Eye contact with Jesus. Jesus is the shepherd of the church. You know, this is, uh, this is the worst possible time in history to make the media our shepherd. <laughs> and it's the best time in history to make Jesus our shepherd. <laughs> This is the worst possible time to make news and media the shepherd of our souls. Jesus is the best shepherd. He is the good shepherd. You could spend 10 minutes scrolling through social media or watching the news and you'll need a full-blown deliverance session nowadays. <laughs> I always say this, that at any point in time, any, any point in time of my mind, if I choose to feed my soul the wrong things, I'm always about five to 10 minutes away from discouragement Anxiety, fear, panic, torment, always about five or 10 minutes away from that if I go down the wrong path. And it always takes me about two weeks to get back to normal and get a renewed mind. So it's not even worth going down that road anymore. Feed on this, feed on this. You will attract whatever you value. If you value this, you will attract more of it. communion. You know, I, um, a couple years ago, I started taking communion every day in my prayer time. I won't say every day because that's an exaggeration. Some days I missed it. I don't want to lie on stage, <laughs> but I, it, it's just a part of my, my prayer time. You know, anytime I'm feeling, you know, just cold towards the Lord, I, I engage the blood. The more you engage with anything, the more you will burn. <laughs> so if I don't know what to pray or if I don't know where to go, I approach the blood. And a, a lot of times when I, when I take the juice, I usually ask the Lord, is there any offense I have in my heart? How I many you know it's really easy to call out the dirt in people's lives that have hurt us and it's really hard to find the gold in their lives. <laughs> and the blood of Jesus is the best filter or magnifying glass to see the golden people. So what I usually do is I take this in my prayer time. Maybe there's someone that's hurt me or talked bad about whatever it is, or someone that I'm just having a hard time with, or someone from my past. I just take the blood and I say, Lord, thank you for this person. I see them through your beautiful blood. And then I just start calling out the gold. I thank you that I never have to worry about the way this person loves their family. 
I thank you that I never have to worry about the way this person loves you, the way this person serves. I thank you that I never, and little by little, forgiveness comes. It is very difficult to be free and forgive apart from the blood of Jesus. (laughs) I'll go as far as to say you need the blood of Jesus to forgive. You need the blood of Jesus to be free from hurt, pain, and offense. Paul said, I resolve to know nothing except Jesus Christ and him crucified. He said, I want to know Christ. I want to know the power of his resurrection and the participation in his sufferings, becoming like him into death. In other words, Paul was saying, if you want to know how to anchor your hearts in this coming day, coming glory, whatever's coming, suffering, whatever it is, if you want to know how to anchor your hearts, anchor your hearts in the sufferings of Jesus. Anchor your hearts in the suffering, the death and resurrection of Jesus. In other words, Paul's blueprint for living a life of pure and sincere devotion was to keep a sobered mind to his death, to not become numb to his death. And I want to read this scripture. We can go ahead and put it up. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 23. Says the same night in which he was hand, handed over, he took bread and gave thanks. Then he distributed it. I may have gave you the wrong verse, so (laughs) sorry. I'll start over. The same night in which he was handed over, he took bread and gave thanks. Then he distributed it to his disciples and said, take it and eat your fill. It is my body which is given for you. Do this to remember me. He did the same with the cup of wine after supper and said, this cup seals the new covenant with my blood. Drink it, and whenever you drink this, do it to remember me. Whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you are retelling the story. You are retelling, I'll say that again. Whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you are retelling the story, proclaiming the Lord's death until he comes. In other words, communion, anytime we take this, it's not just checking a box off a list once a month but I am going back 2,000 years ago, taking the power of Jesus' death and resurrection, and I'm inserting it directly into my current season of battle, my current season of pain, my sickness, any mental torment. I'm taking that power, and I'm proclaiming it here. I'm shouting it here. It retells that same story 2,000 years ago. This is not a symbol. This is prophetic. Retell the story. And when we do this, we're, we're pondering it. That word ponder is found in the, in the gospels when the angels showed up to Mary and gave her the promise and of birthing Jesus. And scripture says she pondered it in her heart. Before Mary could, could birth Jesus in the natural manger, she had to first birth Jesus in the manger of her heart pondering before we can birth anything, before we can birth a promise from God in the manger of our lives, we must learn how to birth the promise in the manger of our hearts. Ponder it, rehearse it, pray it. So really quick, I want to give you three simple truths to keeping your heart burning for the body and blood of Jesus. I'm going to go through this really quick. Number one is Dream in terms of depths, not in terms of size. Dream in terms of depths, not in terms of size. When Emily and I were in uh, Reading, 
we uh, went to Bible school at Bethel School of Ministry, and Bill Johnson was the pastor there. And it's a school of 1,200 students just in first year. And we gather every day in this huge auditorium, and Bethel, just their movement, it's just a huge reach and all that. And uh, we would do Q&A sessions every once in a while. And Q&A sessions could either go really good or really bad, depending on what's asked. Some questions get really awkward, but <laughs> this specific day, one, uh, one student asked Bill, I said, Pastor Bill, did you ever dream you would have a movement this huge? Did you ever dream you would touch this many people? Did you ever dream you would be touching thousands and thousands of people? And he said, no. I didn't, not because my thinking was inferior, it was just because I never dreamed in terms of size and numbers and earthly metrics. I always dreamed in terms of depths and realms of the presence of God. If you go deep here, he will enlarge you up here. I said, I never, I never dreamed, I never asked for a big church. He said, I never sought out to build a big church. I sought out to build big people. And that so marked me, you know. I remember growing up when I was really young, I used to have these like crusades in my parents' uh, driveway, preaching on the back of my dad's truck, inviting the neighbors to come when I was like eight or nine years old. And, you know, growing up, I had all these huge ambitions. I grew up as a really ambitious young man, just passion and ambition. And it's all beautiful, God-given dreams, God-given ambitions. But I, I, I got to the place where it's like, I've tasted microphones. I, I've, I've tasted the stage and it, I've met some of my heroes and it doesn't feed my soul. There's something, my dreams don't, the fulfillment of my dreams, it's beautiful. I'm thank you, they're thankful, but they don't feed my soul. They don't, I'm still empty. I, I, there's a place in my heart that is, that is still aching, that is still, still hungry for something. And I came to the place recently where I've been praying this prayer. Jesus, you are my dream. Ministry is my calling and my assignment. You are my dream. See, I feel like the church is learning to come to the place where we are separating our love for Jesus with our callings, dreams, destinies, and assignments. He's getting more focused on our love for him. And out of that place, dreams and assignments come. But if I am cold here, I'm gonna be so dissatisfied over here. But if I'm burning here, he could give me everything I've ever asked for, yet I will still be coming back to this place on my knees every day saying, that won't fill me. Only you can fill me. Jesus is my dream. That is my assignment. That's not my dream. Numbers aren't my dream. Stadiums aren't my dream. Jesus is my dream. Your presence is my dream. If you take anything out of it today, dream, make Jesus your dream. Don't dream in terms of size and numbers. Dream in terms of depths and realms of his presence. If you think about it, that's all we get to take into eternity. He's not gonna address me when I get to heaven as good and faithful youth pastor, good and faithful, uh, whatever. He's gonna say good and faithful servant. You served me in the secret place. 
All we can take to heaven with us is our oil. We heard the story of the 10 virgins, the five wise, the five foolish. And the one question, it wasn't how much influence do you have? It wasn't how much money do you have? Although that, that stuff, there is an amazing place for that. There's godly influence, there's godly wealth. However, his one question was, do you have oil or do you not? And oil takes time. Making oil, making wine takes time. Speaking in metaphors again, takes time. Time in his presence. Time in his glory. And I, I, I see the day coming where the church will spend hours upon hours bathed in his glory. I pray you would do it, Lord. I wanna move on to number two. Approach Jesus with diligence, not curiosity. Approach Jesus with diligence, not curiosity. Scripture does not say that he is a rewarder of those who curiously seek him, but he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. This is a house of diligent seekers. I said it before, you attract whatever you value. Where, where at, whatever your treasure is, there your heart will be. If you want to burn for Jesus, refuse to treat his presence as common. We can't treat him as common. That's one of the mistakes King David made when he went to go get the presence. He went to go get the ark and he didn't inquire of the Lord. He treated the presence as common and he placed it on a man-made cart and somebody got struck dead. Why? It's because he treated it as common. The presence refuses to be manhandled on manufactured, man-made carts. Treat them as common. You know, many times we see people who walk in a great revelation anointing, or maybe they walk in a great anointing in worship, or they just walk in great signs and wonders with preaching or healings or prophecy. And we tend to think, oh, that person's just grace to have that. that. That's just theirs. And I believe that's true. However, I also want to propose that I believe that person who walks in that revelation anointing has a high value for revelation and they attract more of it. You will attract whatever you value. Whatever you value. I, I said it before that the spirit realm moves at the speed of our speech and our attention, you will always increase whatever you value. And we communicate to heaven what we value with our time. How we spend our free time communicates to heaven how much we value him. You know, the, the creepiest thing, I'm sure this has happened to you, on my phone, I could be talking about coffee. Ads of coffee start popping up on my phone. You could say the most random thing, start talking about dog food. You get on your phone, ads of dog food will start popping up on your phone. And there's an algorithm in the internet that takes what you're talking about and brings more of it to you. And I wanna propose there's an algorithm in the spirit that whatever we give our attention to, our mind to, we will get back, we will increase. If you wanna know why am I getting all these thoughts? Why, well, what are you investing your time in? <laughs> what are you putting your time in? Invest in this, invest in the body, invest in the blood. Last thing I wanna say is simplify your devotion. Simplify your devotion. You know, many times there's this unspoken uh, kind of pressure that, that comes 
It's like the minute you say yes to Jesus, everything's simple, everything's good, but then there's this mindset that the longer you walk with God, the more additions you need to your life, the more, the more stuff you need. And, and I wanna propose that the Lord's will is actually upside down, that he doesn't, as, as we walk with him, the Lord doesn't so much add distractions to us, but he reduces us to where it's only he and I. Simplicity, simplicity. I've heard it said before that the farther you go in God, the less you can take with you. The farther I go in God, the less of Tanner can go there. If you haven't figured it out by now, he wants us dead to ourselves. <laughs> he wants us dead to ourselves. Simplicity, I wanna just end with this last story. Um, I think I may have shared this like eight months ago when I spoke. One of, my, one of my heroes in revival history is a man named Evan Roberts. Evan Roberts led, spearheaded the Welsh revival um, back, I think, in the early 1900s. And half the nation of Wales got saved through one man's yes, through one man's devotion and dedication to the place of prayer. And uh, Evan, before the revival, he was going to Bible school, uh, seminary, and uh, he was getting just a lot of head knowledge, not a lot of heart knowledge, just a lot of the form of God without the substance of God, a lot of religion, a lot of legalism. And uh, he remembers one day walking from class and seeing the cross, seeing just this symbol of the cross of Jesus. He saw it in a chapel or a church as he was walking and he remembered walking past it and he thought, when I look at this, my heart feels cold. I need to burn. Why do I feel numb every time I look at this? This is the emblem of my faith. This is Jesus died. God came to earth and was, got his flesh ripped by man. Why am I not burning? And he decided to leave school and he devoted himself to the place of prayer. He spent hours and hours seeking the Lord, asking, oh, light me on fire, Lord, light me on fire. Fill my heart. I don't feel anything today. I'm gonna come back tomorrow. If you don't touch me tomorrow, I'm gonna come back the next day. I'm gonna keep knocking. I'm gonna keep banging on the door of heaven. I'm gonna bombard heaven with everything I got until I see what I'm aching for. Then one service he was leading in Wales, he asked this simple question to the congregation. He asked them, what does Jesus mean to you? <laughs> Such a simple question. And this one young lady, teenager, stood up. Her name was Flory Evans. She stood up and tears started filling her eyes. And she said out loud, I love Jesus with all of my heart. I love Jesus with all of my heart. And someone on the other side of the room began weeping and breaking out in travail prayer. And they began shouting, I love Jesus with all of my heart. And then another person on the other side of the room. And then another one and another one. And these, this whole church began erupting with wails at the revelation of their love for Jesus. And that day right there marked the day the Wales revival started. Simplicity. Your love for Jesus can shake a nation. 
Your love for Jesus can change your business. Your love for Jesus can change Hollywood. Your love for Jesus can change media. Your love can, for Jesus can change the world. Burn for him. Seek him. He's really that beautiful. I remember the first time he met me when I was seven years old. I watch that video every day in my prayer time because I want to keep it fresh. I need to keep my first love fresh. So I watched that clip when I was touched when I was seven in a church service. I watch it every day because I can't afford to go cold. I can't afford to go cold. Let's just lift our hands. Jesus, we pray you would fall. Lord, you see the hearts that were once burning that want to burn again, and I pray you would fall on them. I pray the holy mist of heaven would fall, oh, like dew. Lord, just as you met with Moses face to face, as a man speaks with his friend, we want to meet you face to face. Nothing else, <laughs> nothing else, nothing else. Come on, just begin to ask him for more. I can't ask him for you. Just begin to ask him for more. Search the deep, deep places of your soul, the deep places. Maybe it's been years since he last touched you. Maybe it's been years since you last had an encounter. Oh, let the groan begin to awaken as it did in Wales. Oh, let the wail of heaven erupt from our hearts. Let the groan of heaven arise. Let the groan of heaven awaken. Lord, we refuse to, to do church as usual. We refuse casual Christianity. We approach you with great diligence this morning, Lord. On this Family Worship Sunday, we say, Lord, mark us. Lord, we don't want you to just change our name. We want to walk away with a limp just as you did Jacob. Oh, Lord, we won't let go until we walk away with a limp. And we thank you. You are the greatest seeker there is. So, Lord, we thank you. Before we could ever seek you, you first sought us out. For God so loved the world, he came, he came, he came. So now we come and return to you. You came first, so now we come and return to you. Thank you for joining us today at the Dwell Church Podcast. For more information about Dwell Church, visit us at dwell.church.